Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we'll be comparing notes on Under the Banner of Heaven and Radio Rental. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hi! Wow, it's been a minute since we've recorded. Yeah, it's been uh, two weeks, I think. At least, yeah. Um, we took some time three off. Three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. I think it's been a while. We took some time off to catch up on editing, mm-hmm. and I had some technical difficulties last nice. week. We're always having technical difficulties. <laughs> we finally worked through them. I'm at the end of my rope, so if anything goes wrong... <laughs> This this could be a very short episode. This could be. <laughs> this could just end in screeching. <laughs> um, but I think it's all sorted. I got a new mic that I'm liking, so that's cool. Yay! We're twins um, now. I know. Yeah. So how have you been? Oh, I've been good. It's actually been a strangely good week. I. Got a bonus job in addition to my current job, which feels <laughs> bonus nice. Bonus job. You just mean the second job. <laughs> no, it's a bonus job. <laughs> um, so work has been going well this week. And yeah, my mom came out to visit me this weekend. So that was. Oh, really no nice. way. Yeah. That's cool. Um, we just kind of hung out and went shopping. She wanted to go to Trader Joe's because she lives in the middle of nowhere and. Mm-hmm. doesn't have a TJ's. So, yeah, it was just a really good time. And That's now we're awesome. recording. I know. We're Which back. feels great. We're back. Hopefully we'll be back in the rhythm again. Oh, another different thing is we have a new recording day. Mm-hmm. So we used to be recording on Thursday evenings. And now we're trying Sunday evenings because... God, it's just so fucking exhausting having a job and a bonus job <laughs> that by the time Thursday rolls around, um, we can barely muster <laughs> the cognitive faculties to discuss things. Yeah, I like I can't make sentences at 7 p.m. on a Thursday. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we're a little more sprightly now. <laughs> yeah. How was your week? Um, it was fine. Very busy. Um, this upcoming week is going to be stressful. Mm. I don't know. Um, it was good extracurricularly. Um, we usually talk about this before we pod, but, um, we were working through technical stuff again. So I forgot to tell you that I exceeded my, um, goals for the week in terms of writing and everything which is nice so that's good i did not exceed my goals for it that's okay (laughs) you had a lot going on you got a bonus job i did and my computer my main computer uh is in the shop so (laughs) it's in the shop (laughs) it's in it's in the computer doctor because it's broken um, and I'm hoping that they can upgrade my RAM so I've got a little mm-hmm. bit more processing power oh, for editing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And hopefully Audacity will stop crashing on me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't happen rarely, but when it happens, it's devastating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also, I'm excited. I was in a reading slump for a while as well. Mm, me too. And I went 
and was bad and got books at the bookstore, <laughs> which I what try not to do. Go? I went yesterday. Oh, okay. And I'm already halfway through a new book and I'm loving it. Um, I'll tell you about it off off mic because I expect I will probably talk about it on the pod because yeah. anything that gets you out of a reading slump is is pod worthy. Um, but I got three books, so I'm excited about all of them. But uh That's what? so funny. I just bought three new books that I'm excited about. That's awesome. And I just started um one of them and I'm really excited about it. So what if we're it's reading really the same funny book? that we like <laughs> Oh, what if we are? That it's I doubt it's it. possible. Yeah, it's I feel possible. like we would both be into the book I'm reading. So I can't wait to hear about that. I'm very excited. So yeah, been been pretty good week. Been a yeah. pretty good week. <laughs> been been pretty good week. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday nights are supposed to be more brain power. Um, all right. <laughs> so we're out of our reading slumps. Mm-hmm. Good things are happening generally. Yeah. Work is always stressful, but we're pushing through, so. Yeah. We're compartmentalizing. <laughs> it's an important skill that yeah. not enough people have. Perhaps, yes. Okay. I dropped my notes on the ground. Let me <laughs> get back to my face. I thought you just were having, like, loose pieces of paper. <laughs> I was like, you dropped your notes on the ground. Yeah. My loose, unnumbered pieces of paper. It's going to be all out of order. Just kidding. I'm using my decomposition notebook like always. Oh, yes. I love that. I bought a bunch mm-hmm. of new paper this weekend, too, which was a highlight. Oh, you love buying paper. I do. All right. Should we get into our media for the week? I think we should. Okay, cool. So I'm going first this week, and I'm going to be talking about the limited series Under the Banner of Heaven. This is a limited series that just wrapped up on FX, or for streaming only people like me. It's on Hulu. And this is an eight-episode limited series that is based on a book by John Krakauer. And the book is a generally kind of like a, a true crime and I suspect kind of investigative reporting style book. I haven't read the book, so this is just going to be completely based on the series. Uh, but I know that author is really well regarded. He wrote other things like Into the Wild that the film was based on. So he seems like a cool guy. And um, I thought, I wonder how similar it follows the book, because I think the way that the series was structured was really compelling and really interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, like I said, it's an eight-episode uh, eight limited series, and it's created by Dustin Lance Black and directed by a number of different people across the different episodes. And it stars Andrew Garfield and Gil Birmingham. They're the two main leads. Uh, you might know Gil from, I think Twilight is one of his main, um, one of his highest, uh, you know, you may know from things on. That's so interesting. IMDb. I didn't, well, I haven't seen that, so I wasn't familiar, oh, but he's yeah. also in Wind River and Hell or High Water. 
um, two parts of the Frontier trilogy. He's a cool dude. You would definitely recognize him. Yeah, I do. <sighs> Love Gil. Yeah. Um, he's in Yellowstone too, I think. And it's a, uh, like I said, it's a true crime series and it follows Andrew Garfield and Gil as these two detectives in 1980s Salt Lake City that are trying to solve a double, a double homicide of this um, young mother and her infant daughter. And this is based on a real case. So it's portraying real victims and real people that were enmeshed in this case. And mm-hmm. uh, Daisy Edgar Jones plays the deceased mother. You might know her from Normal People. She's, man, she's a good fucking actress. She's great. I'm excited for her to have a long career because um, she's mm. been excellent in everything that I've seen her in. And the the overarching trajectory of the series is that you're following Andrew Garfield, who's got so much buzz going on around him right now. I feel like oh, really? I see stuff about him on Twitter very frequently. Mm. And I was aware that lots of people are very into him. But I had never really seen him in anything that made me excited about him. Like, I don't, I didn't see any of his Spider-Man films, or I think he's been in a few musicals, which obviously I didn't see. (laughs) (laughs) Because that would go against my no musical policies. (laughs) And so I was like... I know he's out there. I know people love him. Mm-hmm. But until I watched this, I didn't get it. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, wow, this fucking dude can act. Like, mm-hmm. he is excellent mm-hmm. in this series. And he's the the most central character. Mm-hmm. You got uh, different scenes without him that are from, like, Gil or Daisy Edgar Jones's perspective or people that are suspects, but you're mostly centered on uh, Andrew Garfield's detective character, Jeb Pyrie, and he's uh, a really compelling central character because this is a case and a series that is very also very centered on the Mormon religion, which most people in the U.S. know that Salt Lake City is kind of the the capital for that uh, certain sect of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so, especially back in the 1980s, it was, you know, basically all of that area is really, really heavily Mormon population. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Garfield's character is... Uh, a Mormon and has, you know, a wife and kids and is very involved in his church and his uh, detective partner that Gil Birmingham portrays, Bill Taba. He's not Mormon. And he's also um, not even from that area. They bring up really frequently that he used to work in Las Vegas, so he's much more experienced in these types of violent crimes, and he just is like a more experienced detective overall. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, he's a mentor to Andrew Garfield's character. Mm -hmm. 
um, and they work really well together as partners. So there's like a really pleasing dynamic between the two of them, even though Andrew Garfield is really concerned with his faith while Gil Birmingham is like, I'm an outsider. I know it and I embrace it because all you guys are kind of fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And you basically watch them work this case where they're trying to figure out who murdered a woman named Brenda Lafferty, like I said, uh, played by Daisy Edgar Jones and her 15-month-old daughter, Erica Lafferty. Mm-hmm. And they very quickly identify that this woman, Brenda, married into a really, really prominent Mormon family there in Salt Lake, like a really big, expansive family that had a lot of influence in the area and were very involved in the Mormon church. And so they have to uncover what exactly went down in this family that got them to this point. Mm-hmm. And their first suspect is the most obvious one, her husband, Alan, who uh, was at the the crime scene. And so a lot of the early episodes are getting information from Alan Lafferty regarding what was going on with his wife uh, prior to her death and also what was going on with his family, the, his prominent family, prior to the, these uh, homicides. Mm-hmm. And the series does a really interesting thing where they kind of give you information or they reveal information to you in three different time streams that all intercut in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. So you have that main time stream with Andrew Garfield doing the detection in the 1980s, um, trying to solve the case. And it's intercut with people's recollections of activities within this Lafferty family over, you know, maybe like the previous five years or so, mm-hmm. and how the trajectories of all the different Lafferty brothers have intersected and how their faith has kind of become so extreme that they all end up being suspects in the case, essentially, because their approach to how women should behave has become um, so extreme, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And at the same time, those are also intercut with kind of historical representations of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, like back when they were alive. (laughs) I couldn't give you a date. (laughs) off the top of my head but you know like centuries ago mm-hmm. back on um, in like the beginnings um, of the Mormon. the beginnings of that religion mm-hmm. but um like frontier west uh america when when pioneers were sort of moving west essentially and so you get an understanding of how those more historical elements are informing the decision-making of these people in 1980, which is really interesting. I've never seen a show that so directly intercuts the origins of someone's religion with the more modern application of those principles. So I thought that was like a really interesting 
way to present that information and present those types of themes. And so obviously this is a really um, faith, not it's not like faith-centered in that you will enjoy it if you are <laughs> like a fan of Christianity. It's like a struggle with faith. Is a struggle with faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Andrew Garfield's main arc. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, not a religious person, so I really liked it. And mm-hmm. I think mm, people that are really religious might not like it because the, you know, the most compelling and interesting part of the entire series is watching Andrew Garfield be in conflict um, as a detective who's trying to use logic and reason and, you know, good judgment to solve the case. And the further and further he gets into it, uh, the more doing the right thing conflicts with doing what the church wants him to do. Mm -hmm. And he really has to decide, first recognize that the church is asking him to do fucked up things, and then recognize that maybe his relationship to his faith is um, not just no longer sound, but also perhaps not good. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And so watching him unravel because he's applying actual, you know, logic to the case is a a fascinating trajectory to observe. And he, Andrew Garfield, just does an excellent job of uh, showing the internal conflict Mm -hmm. and how just crushing it is to him and his character because you can like they establish very early in the series like what a just wholesome guy Mm. he is he's just like a wholesome family guy and he lives with his wife and his two kids and his mother lives with them because she has um some form of dementia i'm assuming alzheimer's and his relationship with his mother is one of my favorite aspects of the entire series. It's extremely sweet and really compelling. The The conversations that they have are, the, I don't know, it's really special. It's a really special depiction, I think, of mm-hmm. an adult child and a parent that is experiencing gem- dementia. I love the way that they handle that relationship and the just the way they interact is very wholesome and sweet and so seeing him at the start and watching him fall apart basically is i think the best aspect of the show mm-hmm. it's really well done and i i i get now why people hold andrew garfield in such high regard i think he's an excellent actor and i wouldn't be surprised if he got some type of award for for this specific role Mm -hmm. i i mean i have only seen him in a couple of things but it seems Mm -hmm. like a lot more dramatic of a a lot more serious of a role for him and i watched the trailer and he seemed good in that so yeah yeah it's definitely worth checking out um and Yeah, I don't know how much I want to give away about, like, where he ends up, but I think the way they handled the conclusion he comes to is very good. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the guidance he receives on, I think, his ultimate choice and the source of that guidance, I think, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give that away, but the person that kind of informs his final version of his faith is a, a really interesting choice in terms of you wouldn't guess from the beginning that this is the person that would inform his outlook at the end of this experience. And another really central theme to the series is the way that this faith was teaching people to treat the role of men and women in the Mm -hmm. church and in the individual household. Um, I wasn't aware that there was such a strong like gendered dynamic to Mm -hmm. people's roles in the Mormon church. Uh, But they explore that extremely thoroughly in this series, not just because it's taking place in the 1980s where, you know, society at large was in a different place Mm -hmm. in terms of gender roles. Um, But it definitely is, is through the lens of the church and like how the scripture like literally says the man is in charge of the household and the wife has has to defer to him in every decision and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And they do a really good job of deconstructing that type of logic mm-hmm. uh, by showing you examples of when, basically when <laughs> Brenda was right about everything and people just should have listened to her, basically. Mm-hmm. And things of that nature. Um, but it's, you can see how that also eats away at Andrew Garfield's character too. Like when he goes home, he's in a household of, of four, two, you know, girls, his two children are daughters and mm-hmm. his wife and then his mother. And the way he has to think about his relationship to the women that are so important to him, mm-hmm. but also be told that He's above them. He's above them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a really, a really troubling dynamic that he has to also confront. So that is another major theme throughout, you know, almost all of the episodes is like, this is how these women are being treated. And this is what happens when, um, when they're silenced in that way. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really excellently done. And something that really drove home the the real world implications of following that scripture word for word in that way, in like a really literal way, was the editing. The editing of this series was phenomenal. If there was like one single editor, I would shout them out, but it was like an entire team. Mm. And they did an excellent job of showing you, they did an excellent job of intercutting visuals that you have already seen take place. A lot of them are visuals of religious ceremonies and intercutting them over dialogue from the investigation, like interviews of suspects or accounts of violence and drawing the parallel between the visual of the implied violence in these religious ceremonies with the actual 
verbal descriptions of violence against women that are taking place in the real world. And that juxtaposition of the visual and the verbal descriptions really drives home the point. They did such a good job of showing how when you institutionalize that type of attitude towards women, there can be horrendous outcomes. And so I thought the editing did such a good job of of um, making it clear just what a fucked up system we're looking at, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I missed. They do a really thorough job of basically showing you the unraveling of this family's interpretation of things as well, the Lafferty family, mm-hmm. and they kind of regress to a more fundamental version of the LDS teachings, like to- back towards polygamy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's an actor, Wyatt Russell. He plays Dan Lafferty. Oh. I feel like this is a role that I, I might hate him forever. Really? Uh, oh my yeah. god, I've just seen I him detest in a show him that now. I, love. I hate this man now. Um, you should look at Lodge 49. Okay. He's really good in it, and it's like a really lighthearted comedy that I want to continue watching. I've only seen a couple of episodes. But I'm so sad because I just want to talk about how much I love him in that. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever recover from hating him He's from this now. to Kurt Russell, right? Oh, is he? I think so. I can Google You know, it. I wouldn't be surprised. Kurt Russell, that's a family fave in your fam. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, his parents are Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you can see it in his face. Yeah, he's just like Kurt. I get it yeah, now. Kurt Russell. Hmm. I can't believe I didn't know that. Weird. He's a fucking psycho in my book forever. Oh, no. <laughs> I really like him in that Lodge 49. Yeah, I've heard about that. I'm I'm willing to check it out. That's good. He's weird in it, but good. Cute. Wholesome. Yeah, I would say... In terms of my favorite episodes, I think episodes three and six were really standouts for me. Maybe one weak spot, I thought, was the finale episode. And I think that might be kind of an unavoidable outcome of portraying events that happened in reality because those events don't always follow, <clears throat> you know, a perfectly plotted arc. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, the ending felt a little perfunctory to me. Mm. Things are all wrapped up and everything. Like you get a resolution to the case and you get a resolution to Andrew Garfield's character's, you know, central struggle. But I don't know, something about the way it was directed. I wondered if they cut things out mm. and what those things were, but that was just me. But. In terms of the direction, they make a lot of very deliberate choices in terms of the violence and the implied violence that actually appears on screen. Mm -hmm. And you almost see no violence whatsoever, especially any violence towards women and children. It all takes place off screen or completely off camera like you don't see the actual uh you don't see 
the bodies at the crime scene. You mm-hmm. see people's reactions to looking at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. And you don't see the, like, moments of violence happen out of frame or things like that. And I think that was a really tasteful approach to take. Yeah. Especially when the series is dealing with a real crime with real victims. Mm-hmm. And also when you're one of the central conflicts is, you know, people being fucked up towards women. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought that was a really great example to set mm-hmm. in terms of how to depict those things. Yeah. That's really um, in a series like that. Yeah. I, I really liked the choices they made. Yeah, because when you said that at the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe, like, we should give people a little bit of a trigger warning if they, like, go check this out. And it seems like it'll be a little bit easier to swallow Mm -hmm. if you don't have to, like, see graphic detail on things. Yeah, you don't see anything graphic, but, God, watching Andrew Garfield process Process things, things. just Mm -hmm. watching his face as he processes things is gut-wrenching. Yeah. Like it made me upset for him, mm-hmm. and I was, I was like, like it's hard to have a less relatable character to me than like mm-hmm. this super super religious suburban dad. <laughs> but, but I still, I still you like. Mean oh that my doesn't god! Describe me to a tea, <laughs> oh man! But yeah, it, I, my heart. It hurt for him so much. And it's because, God, he's a great actor. Yeah, I think those are all my main yeah, my main selling points. And I, I just want to underline the relationship between uh, the two detectives, uh, between Andrew Garfield and Gil Birmingham's characters, is really wholesome and, and fun as well there. Mm-hmm. I really like how they worked together, and I really liked how Gil's character did his best to push Andrew Garfield's boundaries and help him be a better detective mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of enter the real world in a way. Yeah. And not be so sheltered. Approach and- things from such a bubble perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, Bill Taba, that detective was really cool. So yeah, don't sleep on him either. yeah that sounds like a really good series so today i'm going to be talking about a podcast that i really enjoy and have enjoyed for many years called radio rental it is a podcast that began in 2019 and it was actually a recommendation that i got from remy (laughs) i think before the first episode even came out uh, you put it on my radar and you were like, you got to <laughs> listen to this when it comes out. I've been hearing like buzz around it and mm-hmm. it's going to be so good. So I started listening to it and it's fantastic. It was created by Payne Lindsay, who um, there's like a, what would you call Tenderfoot TV? Do you have like a name for that? Like Gimlet. It's like a production company. Yeah. Payne Lindsay has previously done podcasts that are more focused on investigative journalism, true crime. Um, he did Up and Vanished, and Tenderfoot TV has also done a variety of uh, true crime podcasts like The Atlanta Monster, 
Oh, yeah. That one was good. So that's kind of like Payne Lindsay's wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But this this series is a little more lighthearted in a way. Um, I consider it one of my comfort podcasts, even though it's like a little bit creepy. And I have been listening to it a lot because I haven't really had like the emotional energy to put into a new piece of content right now. I get like really stressed when I like watch dramas and stuff like that. And so I've been more in in my comfort media zone recently. So the podcast is hosted by Terry Carnation. <laughs> Who is voiced by Rain Wilson, who is um, Dwight on The Office, right? Dwight Schrute. Schrute? Schrute. Schrute. Right? Mm-hmm. Dwight Schrute. You can tell I don't watch The Office. <laughs> She's a big Office fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've watched every episode. Dwight's my favorite character. But basically, Terry Carnation is the owner of this infamous radio rental uh, video rental store. And each episode, is, uh, it almost starts kind of like an audio drama where you hear the doorbell ring or like the, the bell that rings when someone walks into a store, you know. The yeah, does that have a name? I don't know what that's called. Somebody's here bell. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> here bell rings. Um, and you're greeted by the store manager. Um, and he puts on a tape for you Mm -hmm. and each individual tape is a story that's told from the perspective of the person who lived this experience. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's really cool. I, it's basically a interview, a one-sided interview with a person talking about something creepy or weird glitchy that happened to them. Yeah. So right now, uh, I think they just wrapped up their most recent season, right. season four. I'm not sure, I but yeah, I know they just wrapped it. They just wrapped up their most recent season, which is definitely one of my favorites so far. Yeah, they have 30 episodes out. And so generally the the vibe is a spooky vibe without being too scary. It's not a, well, for someone... I like a lot of horror content, but I am a big scaredy cat. So I can't like listen to a lot of scary podcasts in my house or like read scary books too often or watch scary movies is a definite no, no for me. Mm -hmm. But this is a podcast where I can listen to the new episodes in my house. I'm not really concerned about it. Mm -hmm. I do remember once (laughs) Remy texted me and said, don't listen to this episode at home alone. Uh, And it's an episode about these college kids have like a haunted apartment and spooky things start Uh, happening. And that is one that I would not listen to at home alone. Definitely. Was that a valid warning? Did I call that one correctly? Okay, good. (laughs) But it is one of my favorite episodes. I think it's the most fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Radio Rental definitely gets me my spooky fix without haunting my dreams and making me scared to get up in the middle of the night. Yeah, they hit like a really interesting range mm-hmm. of topics. Like, I want to compare it almost to like what you might see on Unsolved Mysteries, where oh, it could yeah. be 
it's like largely anything paranormal. So certainly things that are like ghost related, but also maybe some extraterrestrial related things, Mm -hmm. but also sometimes it's completely humans being weird Mm -hmm. and there's nothing paranormal or it could just be something that's completely unexplainable and you're questioning that the person that's being interviewed is questioning their perception of reality so it's in that realm of topics yeah so i i love that aspect of it uh some of the best episodes i think are from the first season where they describe some close encounters with serial killers, like famous serial killers. Um, the one down in Louisiana, the baseline killer. That's mm-hmm. not the, that's not Louisiana, is it? I don't remember. Was it Arizona? I think Arizona was the baseline killer. And then the girl getting followed in the white pickup truck that was in oh. Louisiana. Okay. But yeah, so. I thought that this most recent season kind of touched on some different topics than normal. Um, it kind of talked more about uh, weird catfishing and like um, uh, there was like some really scary. I interpreted as like almost sex trafficking stuff that was really spooky. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was just a really stellar season um, that definitely. You, you'll never run out of people having weird stories to tell you about weird things that have happened to them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't have a ton of notes on it. I think it's just a really solid podcast. Um, I did note some of my favorite episodes and stories, but mm-hmm. I think some really good starting points are episode four contains the story, Laura of the Woods. And I really like that one. Yeah. Um, a little boy goes into the woods and meets a new friend. Um, and then a couple weeks later, she disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like looking back on this situation as an adult. And I really think that that one's, uh, a very spooky one. I was definitely gonna include that one. Yeah. yeah. I had three picked out in my mind and that one was definitely on the list. I, that one is really disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one's really scary. Um, in episode six, there's a duo of stories. Um, so all of the episodes contain multiple stories, but I particularly like this duo. The first one is Arguing Partners. Oh where my God. this that woman- was gonna be another one. Oh my gosh. This woman keeps hearing um a set of voices arguing with each other in her apartment building and she starts trying to figure out what the source of that argument is. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one then. Mm-hmm. Cause I was thinking of one where it's the guy, it's a guy that's telling the story and it's him recollecting having an argument with his girlfriend or fiance. Oh yeah. That one is, that one's really good. That one's okay. Fun. Uh oh gosh, I can't remember now. Um I don't I can, know what it's called, but I can look that one up really quick. I have it already pulled up. My phone is at two percent. <laughs> <laughs> um oh that one's called Doppelganger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that one's really good. That one's I like up that. There That's episode me. two. Um 
So go to episode two and listen to Doppelganger. The other one from episode six is Dog Sitting, where two women go watch their friend's dog. And it's out in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. And this man keeps showing up on their doorstep with a machete. And that one's really spooky. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get you guys like a range of like Mm -hmm. humans being weird, paranormal, spooky stuff. Mm -hmm. Just like a good starting place. Mm -hmm. Um, That one's a really good one that I like come back to pretty frequently. I like the way it's told because um, the two women kind of get to tell their side of the story, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. More recent, in a more recent season, uh, there was the story Ruse Hollow in episode 18 where a girl goes on hikes in the woods and stumbles upon this little clearing where stuffed animals are being left and they're very dirty. So she starts to take them home to like clean them. And she thinks that it's kind of a memorial. Um, But things start getting spookier and spookier. That's a good one. That one's a really good one. I forgot about that one. That one's good. I like that one. In episode 20, there's the story, The Guest. Um, that is the story that Remy told me not to listen to at home, <laughs> um, alone. It is a haunting story, or it's a story of a haunting <laughs> of an apartment. Um, basically, it's told from the point of view of this girl who was a college student at the time. She was studying neuroscience and Two of her friends called her and were like, we really need you to come debunk something. We're getting really, really scared. Um, we don't know if somebody's trying to like prank us or if someone's breaking into our house or, and causing these things to happen or what. Um, so she goes and experiences all of the haunting paranormal activity that her friends have been experiencing. And there's some really cool audio clips in there of oh, yeah. like the mm-hmm. TV turning on randomly in the night and playing Frank Sinatra's come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> and every time I think about it, there's just like goosebumps going down my arms. That's just a very, very well told story. And they, mm-hmm. they go by really quickly too. They're only half hour long episodes pretty much. So um, you can just kind of go through them really, really quickly. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. The The episodes are very snappy, and the stories are very snappy. They move along really quickly to like yeah. the extent that at the end of the episode, I'm like, no, it's over already. Like, it always leaves you wanting more. Yes, definitely. Um, and I also really like that you can tell that whoever is interviewing the person that is the subject of each mm-hmm. story is making sure they're asking them the obvious like confound questions so they always address like obviously i investigated this as the cause of the weird thing happening and it wasn't that because of x y and z so you get the satisfaction of your like introductory questions being answered because i would go insane if they didn't address like Mm -hmm. obvious explanations for things yeah but yeah, it's it's definitely compelling. It's definitely a podcast that I come back to a lot. Did you want to mention any other episodes? Um, right. So we already said Lore of the Woods and Doppelganger are in my top three. My favorite one of all time 
I don't know if this is the actual name of it, but I call it the Puppy People episode. Mm-hmm. That one's my favorite. It's uh this man who is having recollections of experiences in his childhood and questioning those memories and how they connect to other things. And I, there's something about that one that I really like, especially because it deals with the, the potential flaws of your memory. Yeah. That one's a really good one. Mm -hmm. I'm going through like all of the ones that I'm like, Oh, that one's a good one too. Mm -hmm. Why can't I find this one? I thought it was in season one. It might be season two or three. Oh man. The one about, the man that was living in that family's house. Yeah. Was so scary. That was upsetting because I knew what was happening and I was like, holy Dog shit. Dog man. It's Dog in episode man. 13. It's very good. Oh, love that one. Oh, man. Some of them are really, really. But yeah, obviously one thing that's great about these is that the stories are being told by the person it happened to and so they clearly made it out of there alive, and they're clearly yeah. okay, and they yeah. did not die. And I like that aspect of it, because one thing about true crime is that it's so stressful, because you'll never know the full story. You'll never know from that person's point of view what happened. Um, yeah, I think that it's just a really good, really good podcast. Uh, if you're into slightly spooky stuff at all, I think that you'll really enjoy this podcast. Yeah, I wish they made it year-round. I get so sad when the seasons end. Love that pod. So yeah, you can obviously access that wherever podcasts are sold. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And then I think they also have like bonus content on Tenderfoot Plus, but you have to use like Apple Podcasts to access that. Ah. Um, It's like a subscription version of things, but I think they might have like extra bonus content. I think I'm ready to do our overlap. Me too. So yeah, obviously, I guess the the first one that came to mind for me um, for our friend diagram was that your series is based off of a true crime story. It's very obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, And like real victims of those crimes and... Obviously, Radio Rental is a retelling of firsthand accounts of close encounters with true crime-esque things and also just first encounters of anything. So I think that it's interesting that that's kind of a theme is that it's portraying real people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That was the first connection I was thinking about as well. Mm -hmm. And then when we were discussing some of the different subgenres of Mm -hmm. radio rental tales, um, I was thinking about how I love the ones that are about questioning your perspective of reality. Oh yeah. And I find those ones really compelling because Mm -hmm. they are, I mean, almost unsolvable yeah but and like really troubling and that's probably why i find them so compelling but um from a a wider standpoint i think that is what's happening at andrew garfield's core struggle yeah in 
under the banner of heaven in that he has a very firm perspective on reality and it's very much oriented through his faith. And then he's confronted with other truths in the case that conflict Mm -hmm. with teachings from his faith. And so you see him basically just become sick with that conflict of what he thinks is reality and then what he knows is right. Mm -hmm. And he has to completely change his entire perspective and question that perspective. And it's not the exact same thing as like questioning your memory or are you seeing things, but in, in some ways it's similar. Yeah. I totally get that because Mm -hmm. it can, it it can rock your world. A lot of those Mm -hmm. firsthand accounts of, uh, just those weird things is like they try to tell their friends and their friends are like, yeah, I don't believe you. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, doppelgangers are a really good uh, example of that. But also the one where the guy's in the subway and the guy keeps like coming in and um, it's in the first season. The guy works in a subway and this Oh, potentially subway restaurant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New York City, baby. <laughs> I was thinking of the other subway. <laughs> yeah, no, a subway restaurant. Yeah. And that man keeps coming and he's yeah. like, do you Love want it that. toasted? And then he drops the sandwich. Yeah. That one's a really good example of that. Um, yeah, because it's completely destabilizing. Mm-hmm. In both cases. Yeah, I can't imagine what I would do if I had like a weird reality shift like that. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I would think I'd gone like legitimately insane. Mm-hmm. Glitches in the Matrix. Are there any other overlaps in our friend diagram? Hmm. I mean, I think one interesting contrast, we haven't really done this before, but I think one contrast between the two is that obviously in Under the Banner of Heaven, there's some kind of resolution mm-hmm. to that case. Um, whereas in a lot of the radio rental stories, there's not really a resolution. Mm-mm. They have to like live with not knowing or not knowing until that serial killer gets caught and then they see their face on the news and they're like, oh my God, that's the guy that mm-hmm. I interacted with. He almost killed me or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess in separate parts, there's like a lot less resolution on the radio rental side of things. Mm-hmm, sure. At the end, no answers really. But yeah, I think that's all I've got. Yeah, I think that's a satisfying overlap. Those are mm-hmm. two solid points. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice and we'll see you back here same place next week. Bye for now.